Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, we preview WWE's WrestleMania 35. Can the Joker still run wild for DC? And we remind you 25 years later of Babylon 5. All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great programs. But it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friend. He is our wrestling luchador from Humanica Media. you got to check out everything going on today at HumanicaMedia.com, Humanica Media on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and so much more. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. It's wrestling's big week, my friend. Not only WrestleMania, but a whole lot more. Yeah, yeah, I guess there's some documentaries coming out. and I, I haven't been a fan in a long time, but I know uh, Denial, so-called nice guy from Top Cockloop, is pretty stoked on all this. Absolutely. A&E just announced they're partnering with the WWE to do two-hour documentaries. I believe, if I'm not mistaken now, I think it is Roddy Piper, Randy Macho Man Savage, Booker T., Sean Michaels and Steve Austin will be done over the course of the next two years, 2020 and 2021. They've signed a deal to work out as far as two hour documentaries on each. So looking forward to seeing and making sure that they're somewhat up to snuff as far as being correct biographies of each and all of those individuals who paved the way for so many others in the world of professional wrestling. Well, speaking of professional wrestling, AKA sports entertainment, Later on in the show, we're going to have the guys from the Heavyweight Chumps podcast. They're going to be stopping by, sharing their thoughts on WrestleMania 35. We also are going to be talking later on in the show about the Joker trailer. We're also going to be reminiscing back a little bit about Babylon 5. We'll also be talking a little bit about Marvel's latest endgame news. There's been not only one, but two trailers released, plus footage shown at CinemaCon as well. We're going to be talking about that. But first, my friend, Shazam! It's out, my friend, into the wild this weekend. Speaking of DC, as we talked about earlier with the Joker, they released Shazam! this weekend with Zachary Levi playing the title role. Your thoughts on Shazam as he hits theaters 
It's expected to do anywhere from 40 to $50 million domestically here at the box office and get probably about $125, $150 million overall in its first weekend worldwide to the box office. Your thoughts on Shazam? I see good things for it because the reviews are very strong. How well do you think it's going to portray with audiences? And, and basically, what are your expectations as you go hopefully very soon and check out Shazam? I'm hoping to catch it this weekend sometime, but I think it looks good. They're exploring a lighter side of the DCU, but at the same time, it still has that dark and gritty tone to it, which is cool because it, it kind of, they're kind of doing what Aquaman did by mixing humor with good storytelling with an interesting world. And you know, there's going to be some references to the other DC films. I'm excited, man. I, I would like to see it. And it, it seems like it's more shooting for the family audience, which is something that DC, I think, desperately needs. Are there expectations like there were for Aquaman for this film? No. Anybody who thinks it should hit the billion-dollar plateau like Aquaman or have that level of expectations is kidding themselves because Shazam is not the household name that Aquaman or some of the other DC Universe entities out there that would garner such a large interest we're hoping for something good. Like I said, between 50 to 60 million would be an awesome start here domestically. And if it goes over $150 million worldwide in its first weekend, you know what? That's a good start for something like Shazam, which has, yeah, it has a, has a decent budget out there, but it's not on the higher end of the superhero budget. But it is still something out there that I think is really good. It's been very highly rated by a lot of individuals out there. It's got a very strong Metacritic. And also a very good Rotten Tomatoes rating as well. In fact, I've heard on more than one occasion from one critic or another that it could be one of the best, if not the best, at least it's the most fun DC movie to date. So with that in mind, my friend, what do you think that Shazam will do for the DC movie universe? Do you see him as a bigger player or do you still see him on the side once all is said and done, if they go ahead and have an ensemble movie one more time. I could see him, you know, assuming, I don't know where they stand with Superman right now, but he basically is a Superman. So if they don't do any more Man of Steel movies, which would be a real shame, you know, especially since Henry Cavill is still somewhat attached to the role. If they don't do that and they do want to do an ensemble film, like he would be the, the right person to be at the forefront of it. But at the same time, like, he has comic book arcs where he's with Superman, and those that's a really cool relationship to explore, too. So he's powerful enough to not be a sidekick in a movie. So he, if, if they were to have him in an ensemble film, like he would be at the front of the pack in some way. I hope they'll get the chance to do so. And I also am very positive about Shazam. As we both go into the theaters this weekend to check it out, like I said, it's supposed to do right around 40 to $45 million domestically here at the box office. If it does anything beyond that, it has to be considered a success for Warner Brothers and DC because the expectations on this movie are not as high as previous movies like Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Justice League, BVS, and more. So Shazam, lighthearted fun. And I hope you get a chance to enjoy it just like we will this coming weekend. We'll share our thoughts on the Monday show as far as Shazam is concerned and looking forward to seeing another great installment of the DC movie universe in Shazam. What are your thoughts out there on Shazam? Are you going out to the theaters this weekend and seeing it? 
or are you saving your superhero dollars for Avengers Endgame later this month? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, and game source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, speaking of Avengers Endgame, my friend, first off, did you check out the special look that kicked off ticket sales earlier this week? What were your thoughts with the special look trailer and the added footage shown of Avengers Endgame? It had a very dark tone to it, and I like that they finally showed Thanos. What what has Thanos been up to? But I also like they showed a little bit of the old Avenger dynamics. You know, we got to see Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans talking to each other again, and then when I like seeing the chemistry between the off characters like Rocket Raccoon and Nebula sitting there talking to each other and Thor and Captain Marvel. And then they're all on the ship. I'm hearing a lot of people saying they don't want to see Captain Marvel, you know, just come in and wrap the fight up because they would feel cheated out of 10 years of films. And I totally agree with that. But it really shows like there were consequences and Thanos was not merciful about it at all. Like he did not care. Like he this I think we in the last film, you kind of sympathize with his plight because he was the tragic bad guy. He thought what he was doing was right. But in this one, he's already accomplished it. And there's not going to be any sympathy for him because you saw what happened. You saw the consequences of that snap. And now it's all about them getting even. So now I feel like the audience is not going to have any trouble recognizing who's right and who's wrong in this struggle. I think at this point in time, from what I'm seeing, I think they're not only going to fail once, but they might even fail twice before they actually are successful in defeating Thanos because of the fact that you see them at different points in time in the movie with different outfits, different hairstyles, showing that there could be a lot of time passed from one attempt to another. Plus, also, you've got Thanos himself trying to go ahead once he realizes that what the Avengers are up to going and intervening and a lot of speculation is is that he actually goes ahead and heads them off at the avengers headquarters itself and lays waste to it as far as in the middle of a battle so we don't know how this is going to be laid out we are pretty much leaning as far as either the quantum realm or some form of time travel will be involved at this point in time because it, it looks like that's the case in fact there is a scene that very strongly resembles the Battle of New York in the original Avengers movie. You see little snippets of it where Tony Stark and Steve Rogers are shaking hands. That looks like it may have come from that point in time. Plus also a scene where the Iron Man suit from the original Avengers movie looks like what possibly could be a return to the Battle of New York. So very interesting things going on. It's a three-hour running time. So the records that fell as far as the number of people buying tickets just was insane as soon as that special look came out tickets on sale now all the websites from fandango to amc.com to everyone else that actually has a movie ticket buying site all of them crashed but all of them reported first hour and first day record numbers which is totally awesome Right now, Variety, The Hollywood Reporter, they're all reporting around a 200 to $250 million U.S. take in the first weekend alone. You know, there's a possibility it could go to $300 million or more in that first weekend, which is simply amazing. But the only thing that will draw the back actually has come out as far as the, you know, you do, when you do the addition of a three-hour runtime is that it takes away from one showing on one screen each day. So let's say you have a two-hour movie or even a two-hour, 15, two-hour, 20-minute movie. You're able to go ahead and have one more complete screening 
on that same screen as you would with the Avengers three hours. So with one less screening per day in each screen, that could be the only reason why it doesn't hit $300 million and a huge record opening weekend. Your thoughts on, on the advanced ticket sales? I know you heard me going off on how funny it was with all these ticket sites actually breaking down and just crashing left and right. Yeah, I mean, this is like the movie event of not just the year, but I guess of our time. Well, this reminds me a lot of, in a different way, of Empire Strikes Back. I've told you that story, 1980. We went to the first showing, first day in the theater, close enough by my house, got up four in the morning, taken over there. And next thing you know, you see a line, literally a mile long, and, right. and you know people waiting all day, literally all day to go catch the screening. So at that time, there was like, what, half the theaters that there are now back in 1980. So you do the math on that as far right. as how long people had to wait. And those were common, waiting an hour, two hours, three hours to go see a film. And a big film like that, an event film like that, was basically right around seven, eight, ten hours possibly, even waiting for that long. That was not unheard of at that point in time. What made Avatar so special and why it has garnered $2.8 billion was not the lines per se or the big crowds and the big sales up front. is the fact that it had legs week after week, month after month. So if Avengers Endgame is going to do anything near Avatar, it's going to have legs as well. But yeah, this, this, this is, like you said, the movie event of this generation. Yeah, and it, it's a it's not just a movie. like It's a pop culture movement. Like It's something that people are going to be talking about for a very long time. And even when it's out of theaters, when it's done, even the movies that come ahead of it, Spider-Man, Far From Home, they're going to be referencing this huge moment for a very long time with what's going on here. And it's a lot of people, I think, comic book fan or no, like they just want to be part of the conversation. And it, it's like, you know, if there's a, something big happened in the news, like I would read it just so I can be part of the conversation. Like that's what this is right now is a lot of people want to go see this movie because they want to say that they were there in that huge moment for pop culture they were part of that conversation they know what's going on like it's not just a movie it's a movement it's a moment in time that people are not going to soon forget now you and i were originally going to go see the movie friday morning the 26th unfortunately i did have to sell our tickets on ebay because ebay tickets are being priced upwards of $5,000 or more. I've seen actual auctions that have actually been bid upon in certain areas of the country. When it comes to on eBay, I've seen them being bid on as high as $200. So nobody's biting on the two, three, four thousand, five thousand $5,000 tickets yet for Avengers Endgame, but $200 to go see a movie in a specific theater, even on the first day, Friday, or on the preview night on Thursday, that's just insane. Yeah, it's, it is pretty crazy. It's weird because it's like Game of Thrones, right? Like you want to go out and see this movie before you turn on your computer and it's the ending is spoiled in every headline. Maybe not $200 spoiled, but okay. All right. I'll, I'll run with you on that, my friend. Well, if people buy it, then we'll know for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But we're going to do it old school. We didn't get the reserve seating. We're doing it old school, one of the older theaters here in town, but we're going to go ahead and do it anyways. Hey, for five bucks... You can't beat it, my friend. We're not doing 5000 on eBay this time around. You can never argue with going to see a movie for less than $6. There you go. There you go. But it is Avengers Endgame. There was a lot of footage shown as far as not only new trailers that were put out, 
by ESPN, and then also the special look, which kicked off ticket sales to huge record numbers, but also specific footage that details as far as what was going on with the crystals and a little bit more about what Carol Danvers, a.k.a. Captain Marvel, was doing in the interim between Captain Marvel and Avengers Endgame. And you know, like I said, there's there's still a lot more going on, and I'm sure we're going to get a little bit more peek inside the looking glass when it comes to Avengers Endgame in the upcoming weeks. And we'll keep on reporting it right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Coming up next, we got the guys, Devin and Maddox from the Heavyweight Chumps. They're here to preview with me WrestleMania 35 right after the break. This is the PCC Multiverse. Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun, or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. All right. We are back once again with the show. It's Gerald coming right back at you here. Well, it is that time again. Come April, pretty much every year now, it seems, the world of sports entertainment just explodes into a huge extravaganza. There are pro wrestling matches galore during the first week of April right now going nonstop all over the place. But it all leads into the marquee event of the year for professional wrestling and sports entertainment because you've got to say sports entertainment when it comes to the WWE. And that is WrestleMania 35 taking place in New York this year. And I have two awesome guys here to help me break it down. They are the guys behind the Heavyweight Chumps podcast. You got to check out all their great shows with a detailed lineup of awesome guests today on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and over 30 different podcast outlets. Because similar to ours with Podbean, they're just all over the place. It is some awesome guys indeed. Just want to give a big shout out to them right now. Maddox and Devin from the Heavyweight Chumps podcast. Guys, it's just great to have you on the show. And I want to ask you real quick before we say hellos and whatnot. Is it true the rumor that people are born, live, and die during the course of WrestleMania? There's enough matches this year that that's absolutely possible. It is possible because it is. there's a second rumor that it is actually longer than Avengers Endgame. So I'll tell you that that's... Just by just barely, but just barely. I'm, I'm just kidding when I say it. But it is about seven, eight hours long, if I'm not mistaken. And my goodness, it's a full day indeed. Wrestling uh, overload. It, it is. It's going to be wrestling exhaustion. And and that's part of the issue I would have with it. And maybe spread it out over a two-day, three-day period like they do already with NXT TakeOver. They have the Hall of Fame and whatnot. But I understand everybody on the roster wants to be a part of WrestleMania Back in the old days, it was because of the payouts, because of the sheer number of buy rates and whatnot. But since pay-per-view is really not as important when it comes to cable buy-ins and whatnot, and now it's all about the numbers when it concerns the WWE Network, it's a different story. But still, there's a specialness of WrestleMania that's there. I want to ask you guys first, and whoever wants to start first, go ahead. 
your thoughts on the card as a whole, reading through the Bible of matches that are actually there on the card itself, your thoughts on whether or not it's shaping up to be a memorable WrestleMania or one we'd rather soon forget? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm still on the fence. I, I agree with you on that because uh, I know it's being headed up, and, and thank goodness it's about time. The main event will be the women's championship match. It's a winner-take-all type match with both singles titles on the line between Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, and Ronda Rousey. That, I think, is going to be a really solid match. But after that, it's touch and go on a lot of stuff, including what we see with Brock Lesnar and Seth Rollins. Well, the women's match is the only one with a proper build-up right now. Well, no, no, no. The, the Kofi... Well, the Kofi. the Kofi match with Daniel Bryan's had the proper buildup, but it feels a lot like the buildup they did with Daniel Bryan trying to get his WrestleMania moment not too many years ago. I agree with Especially you on with that. with him calling Kofi a B-plus player on the air, which is the exact term Triple H referred to Daniel Bryan as. That's correct. Great memory on that. You're right. Vince McMahon, as he was heading out for an episode of SmackDown, once it had been confirmed that I believe the New Day went through the entire gauntlet match and actually won the spot for Kofi Kingston because Kofi Kingston, in storyline, had been constantly messed with as far as in his opportunity to get a title shot with Daniel Bryan. And Daniel Bryan, who is now playing a heel, a.k.a. bad guy, is trying to do everything to circumvent that. Kofi does have a lot of popularity and power behind him right now when, when it comes to the fans. Do you see him finally breaking through? Because this reminds me of when he actually had some momentum earlier in his WWE career when he actually defeated Hunter Hearst Helmsley. And for a time, he was considered to be at or near the top of the roster card. I think, in all honesty, that if I'm looking at the New Day, Kofi wouldn't have been my single star. I, I, I think Big E was the one that I, I feel could have done it and still left you with a tag team that would have been viable on the scene to, to work against the Usos and things of that nature. Kofi to me feels like he's going to, he's going to go over, he's going to get the belt, but my money says that he's going to be nothing more than a transitional champion. And he's going to be an afterthought, which would be a shame because obviously he's worked very hard. He's been very loyal to the company and he's had a lot of great matches and exciting moments that fans all over the world have appreciated I think you're right. In storyline, it probably won't go without saying that the happy ending in this case has to be done, especially with all the alludements to what has happened in the past with Daniel Bryan's home character and then everything else that has gone on and all the trials and tribulations that Kofi Kingston has had to go through in order to try and even get this WrestleMania match together. Your thoughts on Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins for the Universal Championship? I see it as kind of underwhelming, and it just seems like it's not even anywhere close to being in the spotlight itself. Right. I, I'm i afraid it's going to be Brock walks out with the title, and they're just saving it for, for Roman again to be that top guy, even though the WWE Universe booed him enormously. Yeah. And, and obviously, that's the case with his health. It's great to see him back on the scene seeing him back a part of the WWE roster being cancer-free at this point in time. It's great that that's the case, but you're right. 
Roman Reigns has always been that champion that just is polarizing for one reason or another. And it just seems like that wouldn't be a good choice down the road. Braun Strowman's been sitting there, and now he gets relegated to Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal with all the other individuals that are out there that are left over on the card. Your thoughts on Braun Strowman, who looked so good and so primed a year ago to take that top spot and to meet up with Brock Lesnar at this point in time, all of a sudden his career changing, partly due to injury, but partly because the WWE, I just think, is making a mistake and looking at a different direction. I'm trying to figure out who Braun pissed off to, to lose his spot. He doesn't have any arrests, so I don't know. No. I don't know why. I'm going to look at this from a different perspective. Number one, I don't agree with you that Brock's going to walk out with the belt. Okay. I think they're going to put the belt on Seth because he has never gotten the proper WrestleMania moment to leave with a title where he felt like he earned it. And Vince likes to make a champion that will be a long-term at Mania. I also think that if the rumors of he and Becky being involved backstage are true, I could see Becky and he both walking out as the two new faces of the company. As far as Braun Strowman goes, Braun was primed to have been in the WrestleMania main event last year, and he somehow ended up in a tag team match with a kid. I remember so that. I remember they, that. They are a friend of mine actually put put it to me like this when I asked him. We had this conversation not too long ago, and he goes, "Why are they giving him the big show treatment?" And they're right. They're making him a comedy bit. And it's a shame too because I think he has a lot of people still behind him even to this day. His performance last year, where he, you're right, he did win with a kid to win the tag team titles. I even though it was trying to go ahead and get him over as a monster. It, it just, it has not helped to the point where it, it just seems like he's going to get lost in the shovel shuffle. And if that's the case, that's truly a shame because of all the things that he could right now bring to the table. He's now at that point where he can give you a decent match. He does have that uh, support behind him and he is perceived by many as being one of the few individuals out there that could legitimately match up with Brock Lesnar in and outside of the ring. I, I agree with you. I think you look at them size-wise, I think they would put on a good match. And at this point, I don't think any of us can deny that Brock Lesnar has not looked like he's been in ring shape the entire time of his contract. He looks like he is blown up by the time he gets into the ring. So Braun would, and, and putting him with Seth works to this degree as well, because they can cover up where Brock, is kind of weak right now. The only thing that could draw some major interest into the title match would be, and we all, I don't know how many people out there know, but the current UFC champion, Daniel Cormier, has actually been on the WWE's radar for a announcing position when SmackDown moves to Fox. Could we potentially see Cormier pull a Lesnar out of his hat and show up at Mania to potentially cost him a championship and finally set up that UFC title fight. That could be the case because Cormier has made overtures to the fact that his career in the UFC is winding down and that he will probably not, even if he wins out, he will probably not be staying long-term and he sees retirement coming up in the near future as far as the UFC is concerned. So that could definitely be a possibility 
We could even see Rob Gronkowski because now that he's retired from the NFL, the rumors of him shuffling over to the WWE have gone wild and on overtime. So that could be the case where he does an appearance on WrestleMania 35 as well. Then we have always on the show because he has to be on the show. It is Shane McMahon versus The Miz in a Falls Count Anywhere match, a.k.a. the only type of real match outside of a jump off the cage where Shane McMahon can really feel at home and really produce what people will be looking for as a quality match. He's just not great technically, and he never picked up that side of the game, but as a individual stunt artist or someone who likes to do a whole lot of bumps and things of that nature that part of it he's done for, for those in the know in the business that's what we refer to as a spot monkey <laughs> exactly exactly so he, he's he's worth a few spots at that point in time during a course of a match but that's don't ask him to throw a punch that's not a good sign they threw a better punch before he came back what happened i don't know it, it's still pretty ugly but i'll i'll leave you with this guys on as far as shane mcmahon and the miz is this a feud that I think people want to see, or is this just a point in time? Again, as, as every year, they seem to stick Shane McMahon in because simply because he's McMahon. I think it's because of the insane bumps he takes. He's their Mick Foley now. My way of looking at it is this. Look what the matches with Shane did for Kurt Angle early in his career. Look at the match where Shane took multiple suplexes into an area of staging that wouldn't break. And Shane kept telling Angle, put me through it until it breaks. Shane is willing to put his body on the line to make his opponent look good. And I think Miz needs that because I honestly think Miz has the potential finally to be a main event baby face and move on from the mid card. Let's hope that's the case. Obviously he's got the TV show Miz and Mrs. This week and with that type of success, you could see him vault into a territory which is unfamiliar for him as far as a top-level babyface or fan favorite, as it were, because his term as a fan favorite in the past has not gone over very well. He is a natural heel or bad guy, to say the least. But this could vault him, like you said, into a higher status as far as a fan favorite is concerned. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Hey, listener. Dutch here from Voice from the Underground, the podcast. My co-host and I want to invite you to check out our little corner of the podcast verse. At Voice from the Underground, we talk about all the crazy <laughs> happening around us and try to make a little bit of sense out of the nonsense with little to no results. If the idea of hearing three semi-intelligent, outspoken nerds talk about politics, social issues, current events, sports, movies, pretty much anything that we decide to talk about because, well, it's our show, appeals to you, grab your shovel and come on down to the underground and then consult a qualified psychotherapist. Find us wherever you get your podcasts, just not where you buy your weed. Boys from the underground. But speaking of Kurt Angle, his retirement match, quote-unquote, and I say that loosely because you and I both know in the world of professional wrestling and sports entertainment, there's really no such thing as retirement. But his, quote-unquote, WWE retirement match is against Baron Corbin, which to me is kind of disappointing because there could have been a chance that Rey Mysterio would have been involved, which would have been more entertaining to me. But be that as it may, your thoughts on Kurt Angle and the legacy he's going to leave behind I don't think there's any doubt he, he's not going to win with either the angle slam or the ankle lock and come out a victor in his quote-unquote final match. 
Yeah, it's he, he's he's going to do the honors, but his career speaks for itself. But given Baron Corbin the rub, I I, I just don't get Baron Corbin. It, it should be anybody but. And Vince seems to have a major crush on Corbin, and I don't understand it. You and I both. You and I both. Honestly, I thought the best thing for him was being a general manager where he did not have to work in the ring and he could actually work on his mic skills, which, let's face it, are still subpar, even though he continues to get the rub and get pushed. And maybe they think that Angle can make the kid, but if they don't change his look, he might as well just get fired and walk right into a TGI Fridays and take a management position. <laughs> That's not far too off from what I'm thinking. How good can you really make someone that skilled or lack thereof, per se, in Baron Corbin look in eight minutes, especially with Kurt Angle in a supposed retirement match? So I see this as You can't but. polish a turd. No, no, you can't polish a turd indeed. And it just looks like Kurt Angle is going to walk all over him and humiliate him. And I think that's going to be the gist of it. There are other matches that are out there on the list. We will cover the main event here in a minute. But I want to talk about the battle royales that are there. Obviously, Braun Strowman and so many other individual wrestlers are going to be a part of it that are not on the main card. Do you give anyone outside of Braun Strowman a chance in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal? No. Not unless there's some kind of screw job. I agree with you. It's just it it just seems like it's set up for a consolation prize for Braun Strowman and somehow now, I do have a way that can make this work. You let Braun go over or almost go over, and you finally bring out Lars. Lars Sullivan there coming from NXT. That could be a possibility, although I know he's not very well thought of at the moment because of his anxiety issues before his debut in the WWE. I know there were some issues in regards to that, and I know that set him back. How far back? You could only speak to WWE management on that, and I'm not sure they'll give you the right answer as well. So we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, Braun Strowman, I think, is the heavy favorite. And there is betting out there. The thing that cracks me up, is there's actually so much betting on not as far as winners and losers, but the star count as far as matches, which is so subjective. And some of them are just beyond what actually can be done as far as realistically, especially when it concerns matches like Randy Orton versus AJ Styles, who are two very good wrestlers in their own right. But asking them to do a four-star match in the middle of this entire card is pretty much asking for way too much. I'll agree. I mean, it could be the sleeper match, in my opinion, but... They would be given 25 minutes on a SmackDown, but here they'll probably be given only 10. Yeah, I mean, given the short amount of time, I, I, I don't see it. No, I don't see it in the least. Once again, I am with Maddox and Devin from the Heavyweight Chumps podcast. You got to catch it today on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and over 30 different podcast outlets. Again, they've got a number of great shows and awesome guests, including one of their most recent, if you're a wrestling fan, the Tennessee stud, Robert Fuller, which I heard and actually was, uh, as he would say back in the days, it was a hoot as far as uh, what, you know, what he did as far as and what he talked about with the guys there. So, 
And then also the Cinema Fest that you guys recently attended as well. You devoted several episodes to that one. So I think people should go out of the way to take a look at that. Yeah, we did five episodes on the the film fest that we ran through. Two film fests in about a span of of a month was a lot of work. Believe me, I know. I know. And I, when I've done as far as CES and other events like that, believe me, it is a lot of work. And to go ahead and appreciate the work these guys do, please check out the Heavyweight Chumps podcast as soon as you can on Podbean. And like I said, all those other great outlets. But we still have a little bit more to talk about. The Women's Battle Royal, uh, you know, I'm just mad that Asuka's even in it because Asuka to me is the best women's wrestler on the planet right now at this point in time. And with I, I know Becky Lynch has got all the mojo right now, and she's the man, as she would say. But I understand why they made the move that they did to take the title off her, but to relegate her to this so quickly is just very disappointing to me. Two things on the women's battle royal for me. Number one, I don't mind that Oscar's in there. I can't stand her. She's a solid, solid striker. I, her moveset, you can't. As an in-ring technician, she's phenomenal. But her lack of ability on promos hurts her. And quite frankly, I hate her ring gear. I just think it looks trashy. It, it, it looks cheap. And I think it just doesn't do anything for her. As far as best women on the roster, you have to look to me as far as can match with her in the ring. Yeah, obviously with her mic skills are limited because of the translation and language or whatnot. That's prevented, in my opinion, Shinsuke Nakamura from getting any farther on the roster than he has had. So I agree with you on that. that I think that Io Shirai could be a better hand than Asuka, to be honest. But if they're going to pull the trigger, the final two in that battle royal, it needs to come down to Asuka and Shayna Baszler. Absolutely, because Shayna Baszler did light up NXT after Asuka left. She definitely made her mark in the ring, and she is part of that, I guess, the four horsewomen that Ronda Rousey started, and definitely somebody on the way up as well. So you're right. That could be a situation where it leads to Asuka versus Shayna Baszler, and that could be an excellent couple minutes of, of work between those two ladies. Speaking of ladies... And I'm going to hit it right now as far as the winner-take-all match. And the winner gets both world championships for the ladies. And that is Charlotte Flair, Ronda Rousey, and Becky Lynch. And like I said earlier, she's got all the mojo. I really see no other choice than giving it to Becky Lynch at this point in time, unless you really have something ironclad as far as a contract is concerned with Ronda Rousey. Well, the way I understand it is Ronda's contract runs up after WrestleMania. No, she has a three-year contract. Oh, she has a three-year contract. But there is talk that she's going to take time off after Mania. Okay. She's, she's spoken about having children in the past. They should pull the trigger on Becky Lynch. She's got too much going for her right now. They, the crowd is too much behind her. She's the hottest act in the company. Right. She is Stone Cold Steve Austin level over. So she could be if they would push her. Yeah. All they got to do is pull the trigger Sunday. Uh, and I agree with you wholeheartedly 100% on that. That's a great call. I think if you guys were bookers, and that means uh, as far as a booker term is concerned, the guys or gals responsible for actually going ahead and programming the direction for all these wrestlers. If I was booking the WWE right now, yes, I would go all the way with Becky Lynch as far as 
sending her to the top, giving her both championships and seeing uh, to me, I, I just like the unified championship as one and just defending it on both shows with one person. But that was just me. That's just just how I think. I agree. Uh, and if they're going to do that with the tag belts, then they should do that with the singles title, in my opinion. I agree. It doesn't have watered down matches or champions like Naomi that will botch more moves. Granted, I can't say anything about people botching moves as many as Sasha can blow in a match. But it's just the fact that they're going to unify it. The only other thing they could be pushing for is to have Charlotte break her dad's record for number of times as a champion. And at this point, she's already held the women's championship eight times in less than three years. So you keep pushing her like that. She's going to break Rick's record with probably by mania next year. And that's the record that the WWE says the actual unofficial record could be as much as 20, 23 times with all the times he's dropped the belt in places where, as he said before in the past, where he felt his life was threatened or he felt that it was best for wherever the situation he was in. Uh, it depends on who you talk to. Some say 18, some say 20, some say 23. It's so funny as far as how many times Ric Flair has actually worn the championship belt. It's just it's just too truly funny. But I know how many times WWE has officially set it at, and it wouldn't be surprising and it wouldn't be out of the realm to have Charlotte Flair match that in or or even beat that in no extended terms at some point in time. Uh, but I do think you guys are right. Becky Lynch is the hottest thing in the company right now. And do not put her on top in your biggest match, in your biggest main event of the year is just simply mind-boggling stupid on all sorts of proportions. You will get no argument from me on that one, sir. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's just there. The money's there. I mean, you guys and uh, and myself, I've been watching wrestling since the very late 70s when I was a small child. And once I came to know exactly the entertainment side of it and you understand what is good for the business and what is not for the business and with the WWE moving SmackDown into a major network, you have to go ahead and put your best foot forward. And this would probably be the best way at this point in time in doing so. One last thing I want to ask you guys before we head on out with some of the other matches that are there or actually any of the match in particular, is there a match you want to see most? And is there a match that is maybe under the radar that you think people need to look out for? My under the radar match is also the match I'm looking forward to seeing the most. And it's, it's Samoa Joe against Rey Mysterio. I think if they give them 20 minutes, that match could be hard to top. But that's the big if, isn't it, when it comes to WrestleMania? It really is. I just want to see if AJ can pull a good match out of Randy Orton. It's been so long since he's since Orton has done anything really relevant. Other than going through the motions. Right. Other than going through the motions, his matches have all been the same. They've been boring. He has that certain style that's, I guess, uh, to me, I've called it before in the past, two and a half star worthy. It's basically there and is done with, and you just want to move on. You you forget about it at right after it's done, but you realize he's a solid enough wrestler that gets by and he's always had that type of near or at the top level of persona that I think people just say, Hey, he's legit. Is that's why he's, he's Randy Orton. He's never going to be pushed that far down the ranks just because of who he is. But there's other matches on the card coming up this Sunday. And that includes the WWE cruiser championship match between buddy Murphy and Tony Nese. 
Uh, there's also the Intercontinental match. Remember that belt, the Intercontinental belt? That is going to be Bobby Lashley versus Finn Balor, who's going to be dressing up as the demon in his If demon he does persona. that as the demon, that should be a complete squash match. But the thing is, they gave it away. They Just like a Marvel trailer, they give too much away as far as on the previous shows. So that was kind of disappointed on that. And then other matches included, like a, a, we, we were talking about briefly earlier, Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. Roman Reigns coming back. The tag team championship for the ladies is Sasha Banks and Bailey versus Nia Jax, Tom Nasnuka versus Beth Phoenix and Natalia versus the Ilconics. And last but not least, the match I think will be under the radar, but I think is going to be given enough time that for, you know, it could be two old guys out there just really just stinking it up. But I think they're going to pull one out of the hat. I think they're going to surprise us. And that is Batista. Going back to Guardians of the Galaxy three at some point in time, maybe even Endgame, he'll be he'll return versus Triple H in a no holds barred match. I, I think that one's going to be pretty solid. I think that one's going to go ahead and use a lot of gimmicks to it, and I think that one will be good enough for people to go ahead and be somewhat satisfied with it. You're going to get Triple H from a couple years ago, no. You're going to get Batista from several years ago, no. But I think you are going to get enough out of those guys to get a solid match. But any other matches stick out to you as far as something that people should look out for? No, and honestly, I think you are exactly right in the fact that the Batista-Triple H match is going to use a lot of gimmicks. And after seeing Triple H in the ring tagging with Shawn Michaels against the Brothers of Destruction at their last Saudi Arabia event, it needs to be heavily gimmicked. Don't tell Triple H to pop a quad. Oh! <laughs> well, I mean, it does look like he's been skipping leg day a lot lately. Oh, 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 that's harsh. That's harsh. <laughs> I tell you what, to me, going to be several hours, what, seven, eight hours of wrestling entertainment that's out there, sports entertainment per se, from the WWE at WrestleMania. But are you guys more excited about what's coming up the previous days as far as NXT TakeOver or any of the other great cards that are going to be playing in and around that area of New York within the next few days? I am more excited for NXT because NXT has not disappointed me with their takeover events. And they do the smart thing of keeping them at two and a half hours at max. They give you a solid six match card, which is what we grew up on. You know, six matches on a pay-per-view as opposed to 18. You know, and, and honestly, I think match of the weekend is going to be Johnny Gargano going after the NXT world title up against Adam Cole. That's going to be a very, very good match. I think a lot of people are going to be surprised at how good those two can work with each other. If you're in the New York area and there are still tickets available to any of the independent matches that are out there, they should go ahead and just check it out because there's going to be a ton of independent cards out there that people need to go ahead and give an opportunity to because there's going to be a lot of people performing at a top level because they know a lot of eyes are watching, if I'm not mistaken. But I want to ask you one more question. Why do people need to tune in to your awesome show, The Heavyweight Chumps? I honestly, I put our interviews up there with a lot of bigger name shows, but we also like to be able to keep the show light enough that a person on our show doesn't feel like they're just there to talk business. We want them to feel like we're having a natural conversation and that's what we strain for and 
it's what we're aiming for is to continue to put forward a good show and actually people that will start noticing with episodes that are coming out from us here, especially in the last week or two, that you're seeing some changes to our format. We're making some additions by subtraction and adding a few changes to what we wanted to do just to keep things fresh. So uh, guys, just if you're out there and you're looking for something to listen to, we've got over 80 episodes in the bank on the in our back catalog. Tune in and by all means, if you're looking for us online, Follow us on Twitter at MadFatLoud and keep up because we will post all of our links there. And we appreciate all of you that do tune in. And we appreciate you definitely for having us on. It has been a blast to sit here and talk wrestling with someone who had enough knowledge about it that he could sit here and understand when we said that a match was going to just absolutely stink up the place. That's true. And there is that possibility anytime you get a WrestleMania because while there are some definite WrestleMania moments, there's also some WrestleMania moments that people would soon forget that they watched and they, you know, that that usually happens both good and bad when it comes to at least seven or eight hours of wrestling entertainment, but like big shows, sumo wrestling match or yeah. Taker against giant Gonzalez. Oh my gosh. I was there live for that match. So no, <laughs> you saw they are in a toga. Oh, damn. yeah. Yes. Well, actually, I could barely see it from where I was standing because we were at the very back end of the Las Vegas Caesars Palace arena. So I could barely see what was going on. And after watching it again, as far as the pay-per-view is concerned, I realized I didn't really miss much as far as the live event that was there at that point in time. Well, that's considered one of the worst WrestleManias. And let's hope WrestleMania 35 does not follow that same path. Amen. They're back in New York. It's Vince's backyard and has been since they started. So I am imagining we may not know it yet, but there's going to be something special. I'm sure there will be. And let's hope that there is. And let's hope it's a good seven, eight hours of watching. And that by the time that it's over, all three of us have not turned into skeletons on our couch. <laughs> oh, I, I'm planning on a, on a nap somewhere in the mid card. <laughs> You and probably a lot of other people as well. <laughs> Once again, it is Maddox and Devin. They're the great guys from the Heavyweight Chumps podcast. You got to check out their podcast today on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and over 30 different podcast outlets. Guys, it's so awesome to have you on the show. You got to come back and talk more pro wrestling or any other pop culture subject you guys want to talk about with us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is PCC Multiverse. First, want to thank the guys from the Heavyweight Chumps, Devin and Maddox for previewing WrestleMania 35. Thank you for taking your time out and please check out their podcast, Heavyweight Chumps. It's available now on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts on over 30 different podcast outlets. And don't forget, you can check out a listing of all of our radio stations that we're on on our Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page, plus also many of our podcast options as well. 
and you also get the latest and greatest in pop culture news. So follow us there, Twitter, Instagram, and also YouTube as well to get the latest and greatest in pop culture. My friend, you've got a great thing going on with Humanica Media. So share the goods, my friend. What is going on with Humanica Media? Uh, you check out our Captain Marvel review, which is up now. Uh, and keep following our social media pages. Thank you. Absolutely. And then also on our Pop Culture Cosmos channels for our podcast, just want to let you know we dropped on Thursday a little PCC Extra with a little bit of information on what went on at WonderCon. My friend, before we head on out, just some quick words on a couple things we, we want to talk about. The Joker trailer just dropped. It is supposed to be and intended to be a standalone film about the origin story for the Joker. Your thoughts on the Joker trailer that dropped this week, and is it something that's actually got you more in tune with what's going on with the Joker and more interested in seeing more about the Joker movie? I will be completely honest. Seeing this trailer has actually done the opposite. I have no desire whatsoever to see this movie. I don't care. Never cared about what the origins of the Joker was. He's just a side character in the Batman universe. And I'm glad people are stoked for this movie. And I'm sure Joaquin Phoenix will do a great job. But the trailer itself did nothing to make me feel attached or feel sympathy or really care at all about the Joker as a character. But what are your thoughts? I'm not much higher because it's Joaquin Phoenix, who is probably one of the 10 best actors right now on the planet. It is something that still deserves my respect. And possibly if the reviews are really strong and it's Academy Award worthy, that it could be something I may actually go to the theaters and watch. But it is very dark. It is very gritty. It probably is one of the most dark trailers I have ever seen. And did it turn me off? It turned me off a little bit. It's not going to be anything like we've seen in the DC movie universe because it's not part of that universe. It's its own entity telling a story. You called the Joker a side character. I personally don't think he's a side character. I think he started out that way. I think he means so much more to the DC universe at this point in time, and that's why they keep re-emphasizing the Joker in each and every phase of the Batman universe that they try to redo. It just seems like to DC, the Joker is as important to Warner Brothers and DC as, I guess, even Batman and Superman itself. He's an iconic villain for sure, but he's not interesting enough to me to want to go in there and see how he became the Joker, at least not in an entire movie. Like if it's something that was split into a Batman film, that would be one thing. But like with this, I don't know, there wasn't anything in it that really fascinated me. The, the trailer was gritty. It was dark, but it just was not even like when he is not the Joker. I, I didn't sympathize with him at all. I didn't say, oh, you poor man. Like I just didn't matter to me. And I've never experienced a trailer that has made me want to watch a movie less than this one. It's going to be much different, much darker and much more disturbing. And I think it's going to turn a lot of people off but it could garner a lot of acclaim in doing so for Joaquin Phoenix and the Joker movie. What are your thoughts out there on the Joker movie? Are you excited to see it? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, my friend, in order to go ahead and take care of our awesome compadre up there in Canada, want to go ahead and share some thoughts on Babylon 5 because it is 25 years 
this year that it came out came out in january of 1994 for me i will tell you my thoughts on babylon 5 is that it came out at a time where star trek the next generation had just really brought back sci-fi to a television format and actually made it interesting to watch and a lot of others followed suit in that path not only with other star trek tv series like deep space nine enterprise but also as well there were other shows like Babylon 5, Battlestar Galactica, and more that still had their charm over the course of the years that they were on. And Babylon 5 was probably one of the best of those series that garnered its own niche went out there in syndication back at that point in time when syndication on television was so important. People have still, even to this day, like Buddy, such a, a beloved interest in Babylon 5. I like the concept of it. I like how they knew where they wanted to start and they knew where they wanted to end. And each episode was basically a novel, right? It had a start, a middle, and an end. And it went along five, uh, what, five seasons? And then they had comic book and movie tie-ins. I would have had to enjoy it at the time that it was out. Because, you know, you look at it and it kind of looks like cheers in space, you know? Like you have a bunch of different people coming together and and hashing out their problems but i i guess for the time you know you were trying to compete with shows like star trek and stargate and stuff like that and don't forget stargate sg1 around that time yeah right absolutely. right so if you can if you're able to hang in there amongst you know a market that's oversaturated with sci-fi shows like you're doing good you're doing pretty well for yourself if you actually were one are one of those rare shows that gets the opportunity to finish itself like that's a very unique privilege and especially like if you look at the way that tv is consumed today like not a lot of people get that opportunity and i think babylon 5 to me was one of the best Battlestar galactica had its moments stargate sg1 i'm not sure really had anything that really pushed it for me but babylon 5 if you get a chance out there go ahead search it out on youtube or search it out on vimeo or go ahead and grab a, a dvd or a stream or whatnot of babylon 5 Check it out, and you'll be glad you did. It's one of the highest-rated science fiction shows from that era. Check it out. It's Babylon 5. You'll be glad you did. My friend, before we head on out, also as well, we've got coming up later this month, Retro City Games, the spring charity event that we're doing, Thursday, April 25th, 4 p.m. to 11 p.m. You're going to be there. Game Source, Go Brothers Gaming, Mario Party Wars, Topicocalypse, True Die, Hyperschmidt, Serious Damage, Advedius, we're all going to be there having fun, video game tournaments, music galore. It's going to be a great time. And then on the 27th, we're going to be doing a panel at Level Up Expo. Level Up Expo is the premier pop culture convention here in Las Vegas. So you got to check it out. Tickets can be got at LVLUPEXPO.com. That's LVLUPEXPO.com. We're doing a panel, which is going to actually end up being on one of our upcoming shows for the Pop Culture Cosmos. That will be taped on the 27th from 3 p.m. to 4.30 p.m. Most of those same people I talked about that are going to be at the charity event, they're also going to be there at the panel at Level Up, and we'll be talking Avengers Endgame and everything that's coming out in video games around that time, including MK11 and Days Gone. And then we've got our show coming up on Monday. We're going to be talking a lot about GameStop, they're kind of in a serious situation right now. We're going to be talking about that coming up for the Monday show. Plus, also, we're going to be talking a lot more on Shazam and a whole lot more. Any last thoughts as well? Yeah, I just finished playing the Legacy of the First Blade, the Assassin's Creed expansion. So I got some thoughts on those, too. Sounds good, my friend. 
when we go ahead and share those thoughts on the Monday episode and hopefully a review of Shazam as well. Shazam! Kenny, come on. Go ahead. Say it, man. Say it. Say it. Wait, what am I saying? Shazam. Shazam? Good enough, I guess. <laughs> you didn't You didn't set me up right for that one. So what are we going to go ahead and see this weekend? Shazam! Uh, maybe the first one sounded better. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all you're getting from me. Sounds good, my friend. Sounds good. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Did you know the ESO Network has a brand new Patreon? That's right. We're asking for your help, and you could do it for as little as a dollar a month. Don't fret. All your favorite shows will still be available for free, as always. But you can get exclusive podcasts and more not heard anywhere else but on our Patreon. To sign for the ESO Network, Patreon's easy. All you have to do is go to ESOPodcast.com and click on the link. With your support of the ESO Network, it's you who will reap the rewards. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.